Welcome to another edition of the Detroit Lions News Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chappie. Today, we're going to go through that all the stuff that happened on, on Sunday. We're going to go through what's going to happen going forward with the Detroit Lions, especially the big game this week. I have a critical set that you might want to stay tuned for. We're going to have all this, and it'll be available on our YouTube. We're, we're going to put segments up that on our YouTube between the Whistles Detroit on YouTube, so go to that at next. We want your comments as well. We want your comments as well. So please give us your comments and you'll be good. That's what we're trying to do. All right. Let's get to some of the stuff. There's some comments. We got someone from Hawaii that is watching. Thank you very much for watching and we will get to it. But this is news and notes of the day. Okay. So we know that there, we know there's some news and notes. So CJ Gardner Johnson could return this week. James Houston practice window could open per Dan Campbell and the Lions could get the number one seed if the Lions went out and San Francisco loses just one game. They do hold a tiebreaker over the Philadelphia Eagles, so that's critical to kind of put into perspective. But when we talk about Sunday, we talk about what happened on Sunday with the Lions winning against the Vikings. The first thing that comes to my mind is I know a lot of people talk about uh, this team they talk about how they won against Minnesota. But the way I look at it, look, you're going on the road, a divisional game in Minnesota. Typically, Minnesota is a tough place to play. And even though they don't have the quarterback that you, you know, they don't have the Kirk Cousins. They don't have, you know, some of those guys. They have Nick Mullins. You know, Nick Mullins can move the field, the ball down the field really quickly. Uh, he did it against Cincinnati. But the thing about Nick Mullins that you kind of look at with all these back quarterbacks in the league one, they're going to make a mistake, and Detroit capitalized on it. And number two, you got to capitalize on the turnovers. And, you know, obviously with guys like Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson, obviously they're going to move the ball. It's just the reality of the situation. They're going to be able to move the ball at a considerable amount of differences. There's not going to be a time where you're going to be like, oh, we're stopping them from getting passing yards. It's just at that that's just not going to happen, guys. I know a lot of people have this fallacy that you're going to stop them and you're going to keep them hemmed in the whole way, but that's just not going to happen. So let's get to it, more of it. Um, but all in all, I was just impressed with the way the Detroit finished the game. Um, I feel like Detroit teams of old would have lost that game. I don't know if you agree or don't. You can put your comments in, in the comment section, but I felt like if that was an old Lions team, I don't feel like they win that game. I truly don't. I feel like the Lions played a hell of a freaking football game, um, and then they won the game. And look, it wasn't perfect. They weren't perfect by any by any by any stretch of the imagination. But what they did do well was they just finished the game. And you know, the Ifatu Malafanwu, he's coming out of nowhere. That's like a trade deadline acquisition. Then you go into the next tier. Of you're going to get CJ Gardner Johnson, you're going to get Lee McNeil, and you're going to get James Houston potentially back for your playoff run. You're getting healthy at the right time. And that's the key there. Now let's look at some stuff. The injury report came out today. Brock Wright, no practice. Jason Gabinda, limited practice. Taylor Decker, limited practice. CJ Gardner Johnson, limited practice. Derek Barnes, full practice. Jerry Jacobs, full practice. Frank Ragnow, full practice. And Penn Isol, full practice. You want to be healthy at this time of the year. You hope you can be healthy at this time of the year. A lot of times it just doesn't happen. But when you look at that injury, injury report, you are healthy. You're going to get some guys back. Like, Kabin, you know, maybe Kabinda comes back for the playoff run. 
You know, obviously you're hoping CJ Gardner Johnson can come back at some point, but a healthy Frank Ragnall, healthy Penny Sewell is, is great uh, for this team. Obviously, this was a conducted walkthrough, so it's not going to be the full thing. But getting Jerry Jacobs back would be great for the special teams, and getting Derek Barnes back would be great for the defense. That's what you're hoping for. Obviously, there's a lot of things that have to come into play now. But when we look at the Detroit Lions, one of the players that has to be mentioned is Amaran St. Brown. And among all NFL players this season, Amaran St. Brown ranks tied first in 100 receiving games, tied third in receptions with 106, tied He's fourth in first downs with 65, fifth in receiving yards, 1,281, fifth in receiving yards after catch, yards after catch, yak, 560, and then tied for fifth in contested catches, 13th. With he's tied, so he's fifth. So let's see. Look, I think a lot of people, um, coming into this year, I think a lot of people love um, Ryan St. Brown. I think they what he did, uh, it was just. He's he's been one of the best players in the league, and when we talk about it, you know, the one thing that St. Brown does really, really well is getting open. He gets yards after the catch as well. You know, he's one of these hidden gems that I don't think people really take into account. I think Amara St. Brown is definitely a top ten wide receiver, and I think a lot of people kind of sleep on him being a top ten wide receiver, kind of like they did for Keenan Allen for years. They slept on Keenan Allen being a top 10 wide receiver, and we've seen exactly where that's gone. So that's that's a critical part, part there. This is the second one. Now, this is the most this, – this, this right here just tells you everything about this run that the Detroit Lions have been on. So this 20 wins over the last two seasons is the most wins the Detroit Lions have had in a two-season span. Think about that for a second. They've had some great years in the 50s. Obviously, they didn't play as many games, right? They have played inadequate football for most of my life. This is my first time I've ever seen a division championship win. I'm 29. Okay. So that tells you everything about it. But having 20 wins in a two year span tells you everything about this coaching staff, about this culture that they're building, and the players that they brought in that are buying in to the system at hand. And Dan Campbell deserves a lot of freaking credit for it. Brad Holmes deserves a lot of credit for it. These coaches, I know people don't like Aaron Glenn. I know some of you don't like Aaron Glenn. That's fine. But Aaron Glenn, he's a key piece in this. You know, um, Dan Campbell, key piece in it. Brad Brad Holmes, key piece. Ben Johnson, key piece. Hank Fraley. The offensive line is the staple of this team. And having Hank Fraley as your offensive line coach has been huge. You know, having a guy like Aaron Glenn stabilize the defense when they don't have as much talent as they should. That's a good coach. You know, I, I think when we look at Detroit and we look at this team, we go, oh, the defense is so bad, Aaron Glenn's fault. But when we look at it in totality, the fact of the matter is this, guys. Aaron Glenn does not have the same talent he, that Ben Johnson has to work with, okay? So he's he's kind of ha- he's, he's had to make it work. And the fact that they're a top-five rush defense, they're not good against the pass, but that's because teams have to pass to beat the Detroit Lions. They have to pass. They can't run the ball. They have to pass. So when you think about it like that, what's what they have been able to do, it's been critical. So that's what we're we're gonna go into. Now, Dan Campbell said it's just the beginning. When after the game, he said it's just the beginning. And that's critical for this team. Obviously, you talk about what is the beginning of this. Well, the beginning was 
winning a division championship, something they had not done since 1993. Keywords, I wasn't born in 1993, so that's how long ago it was. When we look at just how big this spectrum is, you know, 1993, I think Jurassic Park was the number one movie. I think Michael ja- one of Michael Jackson's songs was the number one top Billboard hit. You know, this has been a long time coming, and for a lot of Lions fans, this is deserved. Look, if you're a Lions fan, for years, for years, you have dealt with this team being absolutely incomp- incompetent, coaches being stupid, players being, you know, not that good, you know, and then some years you would have them fall apart at the key times. You have a good coach right now. You have a good GM. You have good players. You have players that are going to be on this roster for years to come. Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, Brian Branch, Afatu Melanfabu. And when we talk about Afatu Melanfabu, guys, do we have do we have a superstar on the cusp? Because when I think about Afatu Melanfabu, think about it. Two press breakups, two sacks, five tackles, an interception. This guy's impacting the field all over the place. All over the place. And and those are some of the things that I just I this was a guy that we least expected to give kind of um, – we didn't expect him to give as much as he's been giving. I think when he was drafted in the third round a couple years ago, I think people thought, oh, man, he could be this guy. And then Kirby Joseph came along. And then, you know, obviously they signed Chauncey Garner-Johnson. We still had Tracy Walker. I don't think a lot of people really thought about Ifatu Melanfamu. But, but this guy, he's came in under all circumstances – He's came in and played very, very well. And if you think about it like this, you know, a lot of people are worried about the trade deadline, right? Potentially, you could have three different players coming in as, like, trade deadline acquisitions this late in the year. Mel Fonwu, you have Garter Johnson, and James Houston. Three players that could really help you down the stretch, coming into the playoffs. You're getting healthier. Some of these teams are getting not healthy. And you're in, in the NFL. In the NHL, you know, we talk, me and Cindy talk about it on the Red Alert podcast. One of the things that people need to really just think about in the NFL and in the NHL, one of the biggest things that helps you win championships is attrition. You know, if you're a team like if you're a team like the you know the Boston Bruins, you won the President's Trophy last year. You're the best team in the NHL throughout the whole season. You're the best team throughout the whole season. And then you go into the playoffs and you get beat by the Florida Panthers who end up going to the Stanley Cup champion, Stanley Cup final. That's not expected. That's not expected. But it's because the art of attrition. You know, the teams that are the healthiest at that given time will win. We got some comments that we got to get to, so let's get to them. Um, Ray, uh, Roy says, right, draft some help on defense and we'll be golden in the future. He says his sack from the secondary was so awesome and getting McNeil back too. You know, getting McNeil back is one of the biggest things I think that could happen to this team because they're obviously missing a guy like Ali McNeil and he was one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL before his injury. So if you can get him back and get Chauncey Garner-Johnson back with the safeties that you have have right now, you know, the emergence of Melo Fonlu. You have Chauncey Gunnar-Johnson. You have Brian Branch. Kirby Joseph. Guys, this is a team that's getting healthy at the right time. They're playing their best football right now. 
I think a lot of people going through, you know, I think it was week, I think it was the Charger game up until the Chicago Bears games, they weren't playing their best football. And we can all agree on that. But the, over the course of a season, over the course of, you know, the year, you're going to have these ebbs and flows, and that's what's going to be the key in moving forward. Now, we talked about when, when, uh, about my final, we talked about the secondary. A guy that we got to hit on is Kirby Joseph because Kirby Joseph was huge in that game against Minnesota. Nine tackles, two interceptions. Guys, we didn't think about this, but we have to start thinking about it right now. The Detroit Lions might have a secondary that might be their strength of their team. The secondary might be the strength of the team. Think about it. You only have two safety spots, right? You only have two safety spots. But you have four safeties that can potentially start. Five if you want to count Tracy Walker. They could help out the run game with the linebackers. They could stack the box. So when you get to the playoffs and there's teams trying to run, you could stack the box. This is a team that has significant advantages that a lot of other teams cannot have, that a lot of other teams don't have. The Dallas Cowboys don't have this. Um, San Francisco is probably the only team in the NFC that has it. Uh, you know, the Eagles, their secondary is not their strength at all. So when you look at this, and you look at the emergence of Malafonwu, you look at Kirby Joseph playing his best ball. You look at the fact that you can get Chauncey Gardner-Johnson back, Brian Branch, Tracy Walker coming off the bench. What was a significant non-strength of the team secondary is becoming a, is a, becoming a critical strength right now. It truly is. And I think a lot of people, they need. I think a lot of people over, they didn't really estimate safety being the best part of this team. Now, when you get into the draft next year, you're obviously going to go for an edge player. But this secondary is sick. You only if you could add a top flight corner to that team uh, with, you know, Cameron Sutton on the other side and the safeties that you got, holy hell, this team's going to take off and their defense is going to be scary. Can you imagine if this team just had a top 15 pass defense? You'd be you'd be talking about a Super Bowl champion easily. So the best is ahead, but do you know, the best is ahead for Detroit. There's no doubt about that. But... Man, it's just crazy to think about that over the course of the year, you know, the ebbs and flows of the season. We were talking about the secondary being the worst part of the team, and now it could potentially be the best with, with the emergence of Melo Fonwu, the emergence of uh, uh, Kirby Joseph playing his best ball, uh, all that. So that's great to see. Um, here's one. For the first time in history, Detroit has a – a uh, running back, wide receiver, and tight end with each with eight TDs in a season. That's D- Dave Montgomery, Sam Laporta, and St. Brown. It can't be understated how well, how well this has been for the Detroit Lions. You know, I, I think when we got Dave Montgomery, there's a lot of people that are pushing back saying, why didn't we keep Jamal Williams, right? And I think Jamal Williams is a great guy. Great for the culture. He definitely helped us last year. But we, there's no doubt in anybody's mind, in anybody's mind, that Dave Montgomery was the better option. Think about what Brad Holmes did trading away TJ Hawkinson. At the time, I think a lot of people were like, what is he doing? And why did he just, you know, wave the white flag on the season? 
Well, they went six and th- they went eight and two down the stretch without Hawkinson. Then they add a guy like Sam Laporta onto the team, and he has he has been way better than anything TJ Hawkinson has ever gave Detroit. Then you think about it from this spectrum. Obviously, you got Amon Ross St. Brown. We all know Amon Ross St. Brown is great. But the fact of the matter is the offense around him has got better. Sam Laporta has helped him out, you know, going over the middle. Amon Ross St. Brown is, you know, he's not going to become the focus. He is still the focus, but people are going to have to focus on Sam Laporta because Sam Laporta is, is a tough cookie to crack. Very, it just it. This is one of those things we talk about with this Detroit Lions offense that makes it elite. You know, I think a lot of people overstate how good this offense is. And when you think about it, there's eight TDs from a wide receiver, a running back, and a tight end. That's just amazing. It, it true, it truly is amazing what they're being able to do. We talked about Amara St. Brown in the beginning of the podcast with this stat right here where he's tied first in 100-yard receiving games, tied third in, in, in receptions, fourth in receiving first downs, fifth in receiving yards, fifth in receiving yards after catch, and tied for fifth in contested catches. I mean, this is an elite wide receiver. So you add an elite wide receiver with a great running back, with a great tight end, who is just a rookie. That tells you everything you need to know. And this this team is really built on – they've. Every year they've gotten better and better and better. And that's a testament to Brett Holmes and Dan Gamble because this is what they've been building. And from year one to year three, there's a considerable amount of differences. And that's what you got to go do. The 1,000-yard duo. This is the fourth running back duo in franchise history to produce 1,000-plus scrimmage yards in the same season. And when we talk about these two guys, they're completely different from each other. You know, one thing about uh, Jameer Gibbs is he's so shifty and he's so smooth with the way that he shifts. I mean, it looks effortless from his position. You know, he he, he doesn't look like he's trying at all. And those were what the best backs do. And then you got Dave Montgomery, who is more of your lean forward, fall forward, bruiser type back. And I know Dave Montgomery can be a little bit shifty at times, but he's not as shifty as Jameer Gibbs. He's obviously more prone to contact. As Jameer Gibbs, and we told you in the last podcast, one of the things that people don't understand is this is these two guys are fifth and sixth in yards after contact. That was last week when I, I brought that set on the podcast. And you, you move forward to this week. I mean, they were critical in the in the game against um, the Minnesota Vikings. It was huge. They were huge net that, that, that game. So crucial. We got some comments. We have such an amazing team. Being a fan for so long, it's hard to believe how many good players we have. Roy, you're right. Because, look, I know a lot of people talk about this team moving forward, right? And it's hard to fathom how good this team could be. Yeah, I think a lot of people say maybe Hannah Hooker is the future. We'll see. We'll get to that point when we get to that point. But Jared Goff's been playing hell of a hell. He's been playing great. Uh, great. But then you think about J- Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta and Brian Branch, and then you got Hutchinson on the defense side, Brian Branch, you know, uh, Lee McNeil, Jack Campbell. Like these are guys that are going to build you into the future. And you got Cameron Sutton for a couple years, and you've got guys that you can really rely on moving forward. And I think this is the best thing, best case scenario. You know, you're in year three. Think about it like this. In year three, San Francisco wasn't San Francisco. In year three, Philadelphia wasn't Philadelphia. 
it takes time to build a champion. It takes time to build a, a world class winner, and they're just not at that level now. They're they're I, I think they're very very close. And year three to be that close tells you everything about this general manager. To be as close as you are to the top of the NFL in three years, you know, year one you were horrible. Year two you made a significant climb. Year three you're challenging for the one and two C. It's a hell of a climb. That means that your guy, your general manager, Brad Holmes, has drafted extremely well. There's general managers in football that wish they could draft like Brad Holmes. I mean, think about how good the, the Chiefs would be if they drafted as good as Brad, Brad Holmes. And I know they haven't had the same picks, but round two through seven, I think Brad Holmes has made his significant picks with his team. You had Brian Branch, you had Sam Laporta, you had uh, Ifatu Malafamu, Kirby Joseph, Amara St. Brown, Malcolm Rodriguez. The best players that he has picked have came from the second through seventh round. And I think that's where general managers make their money. If you're a general manager in any sport, your late round picks are are what's going to really help you out. You only get one first round pick. You only get one first round pick. You get... Five, six, seven, eight, nine through second to seventh round. That's where you make your money. And for years, the Lions have not been able to do that. For years, they have not been able to do that. They have not been able to take advantage of the second through third rounds and second through seventh rounds. They haven't been able to do it. But Brett Holmes and this coaching staff have been able to do it. I mean, think about Kirby Joseph. You think about Fatu Melanfamu, how he's been playing. This is just the beginning of what's going to be something great because your general manager has shown that the best picks that he makes are through the second and seventh round, and those are elite general managers to do it. Only elite general managers are going to make those picks through the second through the seventh round. I think a lot of people think that you the first-round picks are the best or the, the most important. And yeah, it's, it's important to hit on your first round pick, but it's also important to get three or four guys from the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh rounds. Like that's where you earn your money. And that's where Brad Holmes has earned his money. Great players everywhere next year's draft, which is here in Detroit. We have a lot of options. You know what? We're going to talk about that. We're going to have Walt on the show. He's from the Detroit Lions Avenue some sometime in he has he has some great things that uh you know he has some great opinions uh on on the draft and, and we're gonna get into the draft when it's there, but we're not even close to there. And there's a lot of options on the table for Detroit Lions and going into the next year's draft in Detroit. It's gonna be great. Um there's a couple of things that well, well there's a couple more things that I really want to hit on. Um obviously Jameer Gibbs, what a talent this kid is. Like we were talking about it earlier with the Dave Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs tandem. Jameer Gibbs, fifth most scrimmage yards a Lions rookie has produced in the season, passed by past running back Malfar in 1987 or 1997 uh, with 1,177. Jameer Gibbs is a howl player, man. This guy, he's way better than I thought he was going to be. You know, when you get drafted in – 12th overall. I think a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on how good that can this kid be. And over the course of the year, he's gotten better and better and better and better. And this should scare a lot of people. Like if I was if I was the Atlanta general manager, 
I'm starting to the kind of starting to believe that I made the wrong pick with Bijan. Because I think to Jameer Gibbs coming out of the backfield as a pass catcher, as a runner, he looks way more agile than 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 um, Bijan does. He looks way more agile. He looks way more smooth. He looks it's not it's not typical for a running back to be as good as he is coming out of out of it. I mean, when you think about running backs coming out of college, I mean, sometimes they're a little bit slow in terms of their development. But having a guy like David Montgomery has obviously, obviously helped them. But you just think about Jameer Gibbs and the way that he plays the game and how important he is as, to this offense. You can't say it much more. Now we are talking about we are talking about all those guys, you know, Kirby Joseph and Afatu Malafamu, and we talked about St. Brown, obviously. But you know, this was a critical stat I got in the Lions website. So. Say Brown joined Herman Moore as the only Lions players to have multiple seasons with 100 plus yard receptions. 100 plus yard, 100 plus receptions. I mean, this just goes back to what I was saying about drafting and Ben and Brad Holmes drafting. You know, his drafts have been amazing. You think about getting a guy in a sixth round, like Amra St. Brown. You think about getting two guys from the third. Uh, third round, like Fatu Melfamu and Kirby Joseph, Sam Laporta, Brian Branch. Like, this has been absolutely phenomenal from Brad Holmes' spot. We got some comments. Uh, Scott Smith says, Have not done anything since 1957. I was born February 1st, 1958. What a great time to be born just after our last championship. Long time coming, 65 years, wishing my dad and brother could have had this feeling. You know what, Scott? I feel like a lot of people have that same sentiment. I think there's been a lot of people over the years that, you know, they've they've enjoyed games with um, their family members who have uh, passed away or something along those lines. And it's special, man. You know, look, we're all Lions fans, man. We're all Lions fans. And I think the emotion of being a Lions fan is completely different because we've dealt with a lot of garbage, right? We've dealt with a lot of garbage. But I think that when you when what happened Sunday with winning the NFC North, I think there was a range of emotions that people had. I mean, if you're from if you're you're born in 1994 like I was, um, you've never seen a division title. So obviously you're gonna be a little bit emotional and then uh, you know. Obviously, if you were born in 58, I mean, you've experienced a lot of Lions losing. And a lot of people within that gap have experienced a lot of Lions losing because, I mean, they've only won one playoff game since 1957. And that's going to be changing soon. But just to think about this could be the best era of Detroit Lions football is pretty special. I mean, it's pretty special for everyone. Uh, and, And this whole fan base deserves a winner like this. And I think that the major key in this team being becoming really, really good is Sheila Hamp. I mean, I I got to give her credit. You know, I think she developed the mindset a lot of other owners should have in this town. You know, if Tom Goritz had the same mindset, the Pistons wouldn't be as bad. But the thing about her is she made the right general manager pick. She leaned on people that know more much more than her. She hired Chris Spielman. That was a critical hire. I think a lot of people kind of missed out on that. Chris Spielman was a huge hire for this franchise. You know, in terms of football IQ, hiring guys like Dan Campbell, hiring guys like Brad Holmes, you know, the one thing you could say about Spielman 
the one thing you could say about Spielman was just how smart he is. He's a smart football guy. So having enough smart people in the room helps the franchise. And I always harken back to, you know, some of the Red Wings uh, when they were building up and they were getting into the 97 year, 98 year. And they always talk about how big Jim, Jim Devilano was to the franchise, how his, his IQ of the sport, his way of doing things his you know, what they're trying to develop in Detroit with their hockey team, with the with the Davilano coming in from uh, the Islanders, I mean it just it made so much difference. And that team that Davilano built, they went well into the future. Ken Holland took it over, boom, twenty five straight years. And then they then they went to Steve Eisenman, and he is developing a new uh, era of Red Wings hockey. So it's just great to see something like this from the Lions. Obviously, we I don't think anybody's experienced this, but I think the best is yet to come for Detroit. Um, Gibbs, so Steve says, uh, Stephen Tracy uh, says, Gibbs is just starting to give us a glimpse of a possible generation of talent. Um, yeah, you're right. I think Roy hits it on, on the, on the, on the nail. His comparison to Elvin Kamara was spot on. You know, I think Elvin Kamara is a pretty damn good. I think he's a little more physical than Elvin Kamara. No, let me take back. I think Elvin Kamara is a little more physical than Jameer Gibbs. I think that's something that you guys, um, I think that's something that's a little bit different, but I think that, I don't think Gibbs shies away from contact. I just think he's more um, avoiding of contact, which is good. If you're, if you're good, like that's what made Le'Veon Bell so good was his ability to shift his body and not take those direct hits. I think that's one of the crew. If you're looking at a running back in today's day and age, you want a guy that is so shifty that he could avoid contact at certain spots. You know, that's one of the things that makes that made Le'Veon Bell great until he went to New York, which I think all players die in as, as a Jet. But when you think about Le'Veon Bell, like one of the things that made him great was the shiftiness of not getting a major hit to his midsection or anything. Joe Austin says, hey, Joe, great time to be a Lions fan. It's a great time to be a Lions fan. It's true. I just – we talked about it earlier in the podcast. I mean, you think about it like this, guys. You have been – um, you're in year three of a rebuild. If you go back and you trace the Philadelphia year three of a rebuild, it was incredibly just dumb. But they weren't as good as Detroit. Either was San Francisco. So being in year three of your rebuild, chasing a one or two seed is very, very good. And we'll see what they do in the playoffs. That's going to be huge. Jennifer Smith says, do you think the Lions will look into Justin Houston since the Panthers release him? Or are we okay with what we have on the roster? I don't think they're okay with what they have on the roster right now. I think they'll be okay once James Houston comes back, who's on IR right now. And Dan Campbell said they might start the clock on James Houston, so that's going to be great. And then getting Ali McNeil back is going to be huge because I think Ali McNeil being out these last couple of weeks has really you know, made some of these players like, like Benito Jones or Isaiah Bugs have to step in positions that they weren't really um, – ready for and not they didn't have a Lee McNeil next to them. So I think a Lee McNeil and James Houston coming back are, are huge for your team. And then you got Bruce Irvin. So I mean it's it's just a great time because I think you have some key talent. And Justin Houston's a bit a little bit older in the tooth like James like Bruce Irvin. So if you can get him back that's 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 good. Um 
This is already an overachievement. Real fans know it was never about this year. It was about playing with house money um, and enjoying every minute. You know, you, Steve, I, I don't think a lot of people look at look at it like you do. Like, if we're going to be honest, I think a lot of people look at it like, this is the year, this is, we, this is the only year that matters. And in the NFL, over the course of the seasons, things can change quickly. Your window can change quickly. But when you, when you look at the Lions, I don't even think their window is truly open yet. I truly don't think that they have that window where it's open or closed because I think that there's a – you don't have to really put a timetable on when it's open and when it's closed because you have such young players. You have a potential of going into the future with better players. You know, I, I don't, I don't buy this whole window stuff. I think a team like the Buffalo Bills, I think their window opened, and you know, obviously they had, you know, they weren't, they weren't built correctly, in my opinion. Uh, they could never run the ball. Now they can run the ball, but their defense is just torn to shreds. You know, no Tre'Davious White, no Matt Milano. Like that, that sucks because their window is kind of closing a little bit earlier than it should have because. Eventually, you're going to, you know, they paid Josh Allen all that money. And you could just kind of tie that to Detroit. You know, when you start paying all these guys money like Hutch and Sewell and everything, then you're going to have less money to pay. So over the course, next three years is going to be your window, in my opinion. I don't think it's about this year. I think it's about going moving forward in, in the next three years before you have to pay Hutch and Sewell and those guys top end money. I think this is where you're kind of going to have this window. Roy said, I think they are okay with who they have come back. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, how they got how many guys they got come back. I mean, they got James Houston, they got Lee McNeil, you got Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see what Chauncey Gardner Johnson does the safety room. And do you maybe move Melifonwu into the box? Maybe do you move Brian Branch into a box as a like a you know a, a box safety? Or do they go into slot to help out there? I mean, this is an abundance of riches that you have in secondary position. There's not a team in the NFL that has as many safeties as you do. I mean, we didn't think Fatu Melanfama would be as good as he's playing, but he's here, and you should take advantage of that. Brian Branch, playing like a stud all year long. Um, If Fatu Melanfama, he came out of nowhere. It's been great to see. And then you got a guy like Kirby Joseph, and you got a guy like Tracy Walker coming off the bench. It's just great to see that happen. So, before we end the podcast, um, there's a couple things. There's one thing I really want to get to. I think everyone that's watching this podcast is wondering what we're going to talk about with the Dallas Cowboys. And I have one signature stat that you just do not want to miss. So, here's a stat. The way to beat Dallas, the key to beat Dallas Rushed for over 150 yards. The Detroit Lions are they're averaging 143.3 yards, which is third best in the NFL. But when the, the Cowboys have lost games, they are 0-3 when they allow 150 yards rushing. 0-3. That was the Arizona game. That was the, um, I think it was the um, Buffalo game. And then there was another game that was uh, a little bit shocking. But when you rush for over 150 against the Dallas Cowboys, it seems to me like they, first of all, when you watch them, it seems like they just want to rush the passer. You know, obviously you have a great offensive line, but you just don't want to, you don't want to have your quarterback go back there and, and pass the ball around. So being in a shootout, probably not the best idea for Detroit. 
But for your, the Cowboys to be 0-3 when they allow 150 yards rushing, and for you to have the third best rushing yards per game, it sets up well for you. Sets up well for you. And and the teams that have gone into Dallas, um, they they couldn't take advantage of Dallas. Let's just simply put it. There's some teams that Dallas has, has played at home that they're they're not they're not really taking advantage of um they're not really going to take advantage of, of, of the, that. And I'm going to try to pull it up right now, but I, I don't think Dallas has played a, a good a good team. Um, let me pull it up. I know I have it here. Oh, so, look, or their schedule. Tell me which ones, one of these teams really scares you in terms of being at home. The Jets, eh. New York, New England Patriots, hell no. The Rams before, well, the Rams before Kyron Williams got hurt. No. The New York Giants. No. They have no quarterback. The Commanders. No. Seattle. Maybe, but that was when they were down to Zach Charbonnet. And then the Philadelphia Eagles, who they played at home and they allowed that was a game that they won, but they they allowed um they allowed 106 yards rushing, but they also forced three turnovers. So when I look at this team and I look at the Dallas Cowboys, they're they're beatable. You know the teams that they beat this season at home. I think that they beat them because simply those teams are not good enough. I mean, you talk about beating the Jets is that an accomplishment? You talk about beating the Patriots is that an accomplishment? The Giants at home, the Commanders at home are the are those accomplishments? Are those accomplishments? No, they're not. Anybody can beat the Jets, Patriots, and Giants. Like, come on. It's just a stupid thing. You know, we talked about how good the Detroit Lions are on the road. I think this is a matchup for Dallas. It's going to be like fraud watch. Are they truly frauds or are they for real? Because if they're for real, they win this game. They should win this game at home. But the fact that they're finally getting a good team coming in to AT&T Stadium where they play, we'll see how good they are. There's some comments. Uh, think we play. Think if we play like we did against Denver, a complete game, we can beat anyone on any day. That's the key. You you play like you did at Denver against Denver. You can beat anybody. And and Roy, yes, uh, Dallas is still undefeated at home. But when you look at who they played, I mean, there's no one that really scares you besides the Eagles, probably. Maybe the Seahawks, but that was when the Seahawks didn't have. Uh, they, Walker was out. They're on Zach Charbonnet, and then Zach Charbonnet ended up getting hurt. It's just, it's just been there's not been a team that has been able to come into the Dallas Cowboys and take advantage of their bad rush defense. I, I, I don't like the rush defense. I know that they, they're all, all right, but they really feasted against bad teams, um, and and, and the teams that they have, have been able to take advantage of the Cowboys with the run game. They've killed them. I mean, we've seen the Eagles do it. We've seen the 49ers do it. Uh, we've seen um, uh, Buffalo do it. So that's it. Um, but that's just the way it goes. So and I think a lot of people, when they talk about Dallas, they talk about how good their pass rush is. And their pass, pass rush is, is elite. It's, it's totally elite. But when you look at the rest of their team, you look at the way that they attack the run, they're not a they're not a team that really wants to um, play good rush defense. They just don't. 
So it's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward. Obviously, you, t- you talk about this Detroit Lions Dallas Cowboys game. We're probably going to have a podcast, uh, maybe Thursday, uh, kind of uh, breaking down this, this team, uh, and that'll be fun. Um, it's been a great podcast with you guys. Thank you for watching. Um, if you're if you missed a portion of the podcast, you can go on um, Spotify, Apple, Detroit Lions News Podcast. YouTube between the whistles Detroit. Um, it's been great to talk with you. Obviously, we're missing a co-host. We were supposed to, Tyler is supposed to be here, but he isn't. So thank you guys for um watching. I appreciate you guys. Uh thank you, Steve. It's a great show. Thanks for doing a great podcast, very intelligent, logical views. Yeah, this is what we're trying to do. You know, we're trying to give you logical views, and then we're gonna have some more YouTube videos come out. So Please subscribe to Between Those is Detroit. And thank you guys for watching. We'll speak to you next time on the Detroit Lions News Podcast. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you soon. And we're NFC North champs, so let's go. We got a home playoff game to preview soon. It's going to be fun going down the stretch, so stay tuned to that. So thank you for watching.